All right, all right, all right. The Suns are on game three of a five-game Eastern Conference road trip. They go to Beantown, okay, TD Garden, and they play the Boston Celtics. And Matthew, I'm not going to lie, this is a bad Matthew McConaughey impression. Is that what that is? All right, all right, all you know wrong. What? Damn, that game. <laughs> yeah, it was bad, dude. And I, you know, it's like, oh, it's okay. It's just a loss. Look at our record. We're great. But no, that was pathetic. I hated this loss a lot. I was very, very ticked off the whole game. I hated it. And it's absolutely, I feel like if we talk about this game five years from now, maybe they'll let us know what the hell happened. Maybe they're just tired. But dude, come on. Like, if you're going to lose a game, at least put some effort into it, dude. That game was ours the whole time. The Celtics did nothing. I felt like the Suns couldn't stop. It's just, it was miserable, man. Yeah, you know, it's it's understandable. I, I get that. A lot of people were talking about it on Twitter. The Suns were lethargic. It's the back end of a back-to-back against the Philadelphia 76ers and the Boston Celtics. Preceded by, you know, four nights ago, they played the Milwaukee Bucks. So all of those different factors are sitting there and are contributing to a, a, a performance by the Suns that just was very lackluster, and I understand that. But still, the Boston Celtics kind of did everything they could to keep the Suns in this game, and the lack of execution, it was just kind of frustrating to see. You know, We had the San Antonio Spurs last week in which the Suns came out and couldn't get out of their own way, but you had to credit the Spurs because they were playing a very uh, Greg Popovichian tr- type of basketball and it, they weren't ever really in the game. The, the Suns mm-hmm. were in this game. I mean, Boston turned the, bo- the ball over 20 times. I do feel the referees were a, a little biased in this game. There were some very questionable calls that contributed to that. But the fact that the Suns just couldn't put it together and win this game, frustrating, yes. Mm-hmm. An opportunity to learn a little bit, yes. Uh, understandable, yes. Yeah, exactly. I'm sure they're upset to it themselves. They, they have to be, right? I mean, that's the point of playing the game you want to win. And absolutely, Monty's probably upset. So we're allowed to be upset once in a while. Last time versus Spurs, it was one of those games we just threw away. It was fine. Yep. It's going to happen. But this one was just weird. I didn't like anything about it. I don't like how Book got his fouls, got fouled out. I mean, we'll talk about the rest. But honestly, the first five fouls were on Book. I thought the last one was kind of stupid. But the, uh-huh. la- the first five, it's like if Book wanted out of the game, why did he even start? Why did he even come in? But I don't know. Well, plenty to talk about, obviously, yeah, on this edition of the Suns Jam Session podcast. So welcome to all the Jamsters who are joining us, whether it be live on Instagram, YouTube, not Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, Facebook, <laughs> or if you're listening on the Bright Side of the Sun podcast network. We appreciate it. Thanks for stopping in. Thanks for hanging out with both Matthew and myself. Please follow the show at Suns Jam on Instagram, Twitter, and the Phoenix Fans app. You can follow me on Twitter at Darth Voida. You can follow Matthew on Twitter at Matthew Lissy. If you're watching along live, go ahead and give us a thumbs up, okay? We don't need those thumbs down just because the sun's lost. It's not our fault. We had some thumbs down in last night's uh, podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's because Philly fans show up, man. They give you a thumbs down forever. They would have to, right? Yes, they they would have to. So, uh, But if you're watching along or if you're planning on stopping by the podcast after you listen to this pod, go ahead and give us a thumbs up. It helps with the algorithms or so I'm told. Uh, Please also subscribe to the Suns Jam Session podcast on YouTube. And if you want to uh, donate in the super chat, it helps us with 
purchases of vodka, whiskey, and gin. Okay, we're not rum people, so we appreciate that as well. I'm a rum guy. Oh yeah, you are a Sailor Jerry guy, aren't you? Sailor Jerry, yeah. Do you like gin? Used to be. Do I like what gin? Yeah. You know what? I I don't mind it, but I took shots of it before, and this is a story. Went back to Scott Still, and I took shots of it for some reason, and I was on the floor outside of a place, not feeling too good. So, do you know why that happened? Because you don't take shots of gin. Exactly. Yep. Someone should have told me that. Well, on that note, I think I'm going to pop open something nice just to celebrate yeah. this victory. You know, the Suns are now, what, 42 and 17, so we're still looking good. Obviously, we'll talk about the Clippers and things of that nature, but I have an Ace Pineapple Craft Cider to pop open tonight. No idea what this is going to taste like. Looks One of good, my though. vendors came by, has no sugar added, and it's gluten-free and vegan. So I got that going. Is for it? Me. Wow. Very cool. Very healthy for you. Let's uh, see how that tastes, dude. Let's I don't have anything tonight. So sorry. Go ahead. Okay. It pops like a normal beer. That's good. Let's talk about this son's loss. All right, Jamsters. The Phoenix Suns are now, as we mentioned, 42 and 17. I believe they are 19 mm-hmm. and 7 on the road, which is or 19 and 8 maybe now, but they're still the best road team in the NBA. But this loss against the Celtics, as we mentioned, Matthew, you know, 86 points, which ties our season low, which we hit last week against the San Antonio Spurs. What are your initial thoughts on this game? Um, well, the first half. I just, I don't know what they were trying to do. Kemba Walker, yeah. What a great game by him in the first half. You know, I'm going to have a lot of these tonight. A lot of, a lot <laughs> yeah, of those. Yeah. Great game, Kemba. Uh, yeah. You know, I mean, it's a great game if anybody wanted to play defense on him. Like, if anybody wants to touch the guy, the guy was running through an obstacle course. Where were all the cones? Like, I don't even understand what they were trying to do to stop the guy. But yeah, he was hot. And sure, but then I'm like, second half, they'll they'll have a tickle fight or something at halftime, right? I get DA going. DA must be getting going after that nasty tickle fight they had in the locker room. I don't think that even happened because they obviously came out the same exact way. Usually they can turn things on. I think a lot of us thought, you know, we'll just play a little bit better defense. We'll get the offense going. We won't make the mistakes we did in the first half. And it just continued to the second half. It was like, basically, this game, they just didn't want to win. They had no intention to win. And the Celtics did nothing to really even take the game from the Suns. They they're like, here, you can you can have it. So the last five minutes to three minutes, the Suns had a chance to win that game, and they just didn't want it. And I, I hate to be that cliche, but it, it's just true. They didn't just didn't want this win. That's that's it's, the way it looked. It's what it felt like too. I mean, they lose by thirteen points. The Suns scored more baskets than the Boston Celtics. They scored thirty six field goals. The Boston Celtics scored 33. Now, obviously, the disparity comes via the three-point line where the Celtics went 12 for 40, which was only 30%, but the Suns went 6 for 35 for 17.1%. And then, of course, the free-throw line, the uh, Boston Celtics outscored the Suns by a total of got 21 minus 8, whatever that is, 13, 13, 13 free-throws 
made more than the Phoenix Suns. And that's where I'm going to kind of start this game. I'm not going to blame the refs, but I'm going to blame the refs. 23 fouls on the Suns tonight, 12, 12 on the Celtics. You know, those Kemba Walker charges, they were questionable at best. I think that, you know, let, let me start here. Credit to Kemba Walker, okay? This is a guy who two seasons ago scored 60 points in a game when he played for the, the Charlotte uh, Hornets. He's somebody who definitely has an offensive game. He definitely is a pesky defender and is known to take charges. So that reputation, coupled with some of the drives that Devin Booker was taking and his lackadaisical effort, I got that word right, yes, but his lackadaisical effort mm-hmm. allowed the referees to make those, you know, I'm 20 feet from the play, but I'm going to make the call kind of calls tonight. Right. Yeah. In a way, I think that honestly, the Suns never get to the line. They never get fouls called. They win a bunch of games doing it. So I don't think this is any different. I think they had Suns. They don't draw the fouls. They don't. So if a team's going to out foul them, I'm not surprised. And I'm not going to, there were a couple calls the rest called, especially the one that was reviewed late. They yeah. were reviewing the travel. There was a travel before the foul by Tatum, and they didn't call that. And I think the ref realized, like, oh, I looked at the wrong thing. Yeah, Monty's explaining after, to him. Exactly. He's like, uh, no, that's not what I challenged. So there are things like that the rest did that really, really, oh, here we go. I said it. I'm going to say it again. Ticked me off, dude. Mm. And that was one of them. But, I mean, the thing is, the fouls that were being called, Book, drew, Book was the reason that he was not getting any calls. And I think it was just one of those games where it's not like he's delivering it in, but he just was not didn't have the appetite to really get anything going. You can just tell. I mean, DA was the same way too. And I don't think the refs have anything to do with it. I think Booker had a little bit of frustration with the refs, but it wasn't enough for him to get so upset. Cause I think he kind of knew like, you know, those were, those were fouls by me, but uh, you know, I had to kind of argue a little bit to make it seem like I care. So maybe that was what he was doing tonight, but it was just very strange to do with the refs. Well, and to de- to your point on Devin Booker, you know, his, his starts have been really something that has been questionable. And, you know, we talk about it on the podcast. Where has efficient Booker gone? A guy who hangs his hat on efficiency and, you know, field goal percentage and true shooting percentage and is somebody who you can count on for all of those things has really, yeah. you know, the past pretty much the month of April has gone the way of the dodo. You know, he, he it's not existent anymore. And I tweeted it out <laughs> yeah. after the first quarter. Devin Booker is now 25 for 65, which is 38.5% in his last 11 first quarters. This is a guy who was at one point the second highest scorer in the league in the first quarter, averaging almost 10 points a game. It's down to six points a game, but he's also ball hogging it, if you will, in that first quarter. And it's not going down in an efficient manner. So that was kind of one way that the Suns would try to beat you is come out, have Devin Booker set the tone. The defense is going to play uh, harsh and, and put you in those tough situations. And the second team is going to carry that offensive load until Booker, you know, finds it essentially in the second half, but he's not coming through with that. So I feel like in this game, after missing a lot of easy shots and this game did really remind me at the beginning of the Spurs game where it's, the Suns had some great looks and they just weren't going down. And I think that frustrated Booker, you put, uh, Kemba Walker setting him up and Booker, like you said, just kind of be like, damn, man, like I keep doing this. Uh, it was just really interesting to see how Devin Booker took himself out of this game. Well, do you think he's doing too much? I feel like um, there's certain times where you would normally see him pull up for a jump shot in certain areas, you know, get to his spot and just shoot it. 
but he's like doing too much to where he passes up that spot. He goes too far and he gets Dario'd where he's just in the middle of the paint and there's nothing much to do. But yeah, of course the Suns tonight did miss some shots with Devin Booker, some easy looks. That's every other game I feel like too. It was just the effort. The efforts were really what we're kind of upset about. But for Booker, I just think he might be doing a little bit too much sometimes get in certain areas and like try to show up because another night where he has to play Marcus Smart, really great defender who's going to get on his nerves, but maybe he's just doing too much. Maybe it's just something where he needs to take a step back and just, you know, take those little jump shots that might be a little bit easier for him instead of trying to get to the rim every time. I That might be just what he needs to fix it, but I'm not too worried. I mean, there's another guy, Darius Sarge, I'm more worried about than Devin Booker, but uh, right now, I mean, it's just one of those games where you kind of don't want to do a pod, right? You don't really want to talk about it too much because the more and more you talk about it, the more upset you can kind of get until you wake up tomorrow. Like, oh, everything's better. I feel good. Try, try writing the recap for Bright Side of the Sun. I was tasked with doing the Boston Celtics <laughs> recap today. Yeah. And right off the bat, it was just kind of a low-energy game. You know, I got off work a little bit early so I can come home and watch the game in its entirety to make sure that I write down everything that I saw. And, yeah, it was just... It was, it was kind of like the way that Dario Sarge plays. The Sarge smoke break. I think we all need a smoke break after that game. We you really know, do, poor man. Dario. I mean, how many times do you see him just throw his hands up these days? I mean, he just, every little tic-tac foul is called on him. He doesn't make yes. very smart plays on offense. And he's just, he's, he's as frustrated right now, I think, as we are with this this game. And again, it's not this team. It's not this stretch. It's understandable. We said coming into this five game road trip that if the Suns exited with a three and two record, that is meeting expectations. That's a good run through five tough teams in the Eastern Conference. So I'm not surprised that they lost. Am I frustrated? Of course, I'm a Suns fan and mm -hmm. I want them to win every game, but I'm also a realist. I know it's not going to happen. But it's frustrating to see Dario continually just have absolutely no positive effect on the game. No, he's a liability out there right now for the yes. Suns. That's the only way. I mean, we talked about I think I called him a reliability last time, which is totally incorrect. You want to say he's a liability? <laughs> he's, he's a reliability. He's a reliability out there. He's Cost reliably unreliable. He is. And honestly, he had one good play where he had the, uh, the roll away uh, fast break where he he rolled the ball half court to Devin Booker. <laughs> that was the one cool thing he did today. But he he's having a hard time. The rest called some stupid fouls on him too, where he just raises hands up and then all of a sudden it's a foul. You know, those mm -hmm. are the things that Dario just has the hardest time with. I think is just the refereeing, the fouls called on him. But when you're so athletic and you move in such a weird way, maybe it's a weird angle or something for the rest where they're gonna call it. But right now, yeah, he's a liability because he doesn't do anything right now. He's still shooting the three. EJ said, keep shooting at Dario. I'm like, no, don't. And I'm not turning no. on Dario. Dario's the last guy I would turn on on this team. But it's like, don't shoot it. Do something else. Like right now, we need some guys in the paint that can actually get to the rim. That was the only thing that was working tonight. I don't want to focus on Dario shooting threes and doing what he does on offense, which is this absolutely nothing right now. And it's not because I'm frustrated with the game, but I just feel bad for Dario because he's so sunken into a hole right now to where next game, who knows if he even plays five or six minutes, you know, if it's a game that's close and we need this win after a terrible loss tonight, the next game against the Nets, I mean, who knows how many minutes he's going to get against that athletic team that can shoot the three. Like it's just, it's another one of those games where the Suns can win, and it's like, how many minutes do you want to give him over Torrey Craig and some of the other guys? I, I agree. And I think that 
the the one his release just looks funky right now. He there's no confidence yes. in it. He's throwing up rainbows, which is very not Dario esque, if you will. I just I I don't know what to think about that. You you know you look at tonight's game, two points, one for five, eleven minutes, had a couple steals in there, uh, but also had a couple turnovers, and he had the one personal foul that we mentioned. And you look at his last few games, you know he he put up. Uh, 11 points against the the Oklahoma City Thunder back on April 2nd. Outside of that, not including this game, he's averaging, you know, very 36% from the field, you know, 25% from three. It's just, mm -hmm. I, I wonder at what point, and I'm sure a lot of our Jamsters and Suns fans are wondering this too, at what point is, are we going to see Frank Kaminsky just gobble up Dario's minutes and allow Dario a time, uh, an opportunity and some time to just mentally reset? Give him a couple days. Now, the nice thing is after this back-to-back -back is we have a couple days off before we play the the Brooklyn Nets. But maybe this is you know a good opportunity to go, you know what, Dario, you're going to take the next two days off on this road trip and you're going to take off that game against the nets because they're an injured team. They don't have a lot of depth at the big either seen as they traded away Jarrett Culver. And then they had LaMarcus Aldridge who ultimately retired. We don't need a bunch of big depth. Let's go ahead and let Dario sit and put Frank in. Cause guess what? Frank, <laughs> I like how I say it like that. I'm like, guess what? <laughs> guess what? That's sorry. But you give Frank Kaminsky an opportunity to take those three-point shots that Dario's taking right now, and mm -hmm. he's going to hit some of them, right? He might. Who knows? I mean, I mean he's going to be shooting. He'd probably shoot better even, than 25% over the last 10 games. He would, absolutely. But who knows? I don't, it's because you saw Galloway tonight come in, too, to get some minutes. So it's like, okay, are they trying to work some of these guys in? Because Dario definitely needs a couple days off. Because, you know, Monty, he wants to play these guys through struggles, through timeouts, to get back in the games. That's the way he is, I feel like, right? Like, mm -hmm. if a guy's struggling, unless you're <laughs> Langston Galloway, like you don't make a point in your last game 12 games ago, then you're just out for forever. But usually it's like, okay, let's see if you can play it out. Come in the starting lineup, see if you can get work it out that way. Now it's just like, yeah, maybe he does need a break because he absolutely mentally, I don't know how he comes back from this because I think every time he touches the ball, he knows for sure that everyone's, of course, we're watching him. But the Dario watch, the, the smoke break, he's just like, I don't want to be on that segment again and then talk bad about me. And we don't talk bad about him. We just don't know what the hell's going on. As someone brought up, who was it? Joe Klein. I hope it's not that bad. Oh God, Joe Klein. Yeah. is clumsy. Like Joe Klein, no respect from the rest of Mario Tacoma. True upgrade. statements. It's not that bad, is it? <laughs> it is, though. I mean, Joe Klein, especially at the back end of his career, was just you know a big, burly white dude who got mm -hmm. no calls and moved like a tree. So I, I can see that comparison because that's the way that Dario's been playing. And Frank is somebody who was, you know, what what is one of the words that Monty Williams likes to use relative to Dario Sarch? Is the connector. Yeah. Somebody who he likes because he connects the offense and a little bit of the defense. He hasn't been a connector, you know, for about a month and a half, almost two months now. Frank Kaminsky, when he when we went through that run of about 12 games where the Suns went 11 and 1 in games in which Frank Kaminsky actually started. That's what he was doing with that first team offense. Is he was a connector. He was passing to a cutting bridges. He was hitting guys, you know, in stride. He was he was hitting his own threes. He wasn't putting up massive rebounding numbers, but he was 
using his big body effectively enough to to create space that allowed DeAndre Ayton to get rebounds or, or just team rebounding overall. And I think with our second team unit, it's almost that time where we just got to see, we got to kick the tires on the old Frank Kaminsky Ford F-150 and see how many miles are left on him this season. I know that he's somebody who had COVID recently. He's probably still in the, the process of trying to recover from that, and which is completely understandable. But at some time, at some point, we're going to have to see some more Frank minutes, minutes and allow Dario an opportunity to just kind of clear his head, man. Maybe shave the beard a little bit. Maybe do something funky with the hair. But maybe he can get one of those cigarette patches and put it right here on the arm, and 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 he can kick the habit, man. Kick no, the habit. please don't. That's the only thing we have. And honestly, I mean, Sarich is like a Disney movie right now, where he's trying to search for someone stole his magic butt juice from the locker room, and he's been searching for it for like six games, and he doesn't know who stole it. So maybe those two days he has off, he can find, hit, retrace his steps to where he lost mm-hmm. that stuff because he needs it back. Yeah, absolutely. He needs that like app, new Apple tag. Have you seen this thing? No. Oh, you're not an Apple guy. I forgot. So I'm essentially, Apple came out with a bunch of new products the other day, and one of them is an Apple tag. It's this little round thing you can put on anything so you don't lose it kind of thing, whatever. He needs oh, to wow. do that to find his secret butt juice because Dario has lost <laughs> his butt juice. And yes. He needs to find it. <laughs> That's coverage you're only going to get here on the Suns Jam Session podcast. Uh, the threes were not following falling for Phoenix, as I mentioned earlier. In uh, you know, It's one of their worst performances relative to the three ball. Uh, at what point, and I know we've, we've had this conversation before, but it's just kind of frustrating to see. But at what point do they start just going to the mid-range game and start trying to force the issue? This is a team, the Boston Celtics, that are not overly big inside. Tristan Thompson, although a good defender, isn't somebody who has a lot of shot deterrence. Why were the Suns not attacking the rim? You know, I know why Devin Booker wasn't, because he was constantly getting charges and sitting on the sideline, but I really felt like the Suns didn't try any effort and again, this comes back to the lethargicness of this team and the lack of of legs. But why did they at least try to force the issue a few times? Uh, more energy, I think, right? It takes more energy to get to your spots, to get to the rim. They only had like 24 attempts though, going into the fourth quarter, so I thought they would stop. And there's certain mm-hmm. things that they were doing to, to where, you know, Mikkel's open. He was one for nine tonight in the corner. And it's like, do you want him to shoot it or do you want him to take it to the rim? I mean, he's so automatic. He was back to his mid-range game a little bit today, and Eddie Johnson was talking about how it is like an easy shot for him, and it definitely is. So you want to see more of that. But then if you're wide open from three, it's so hard to turn. And I'm like the last guy that really likes Mikhail Bridges' three-point shot, even though he's mm-hmm. shooting phenomenal. If you like the box scores, the stats sheet, he his percentage is off the charts But because I, I love him around the rim. So I think it's just more energy, right? It just takes more out of them to get to the rim. And I think Booker tried to do it a lot tonight. And like he said, it, it costs him those fouls. And that's why he wasn't doing it too much more later. But guess who hangs around the rim is DeAndre Ayton. Mm-hmm. And I don't even know. I He looked like tonight, like he was, he lost his phone or something. And the alarm was going off in the morning at three o'clock and he was trying to find it. That's what he looked like tonight. Who, Mikhail? No, DeAndre Ayton. Sorry. Ayton Watch 2021. So it's three o'clock in the morning. Your phone's going off, but you can't find it. And you're stuck around a bunch of Celtics. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, that's what he looked like out there. <laughs> he did tonight, man. You know, I'll, I'll tell you, you know, DeAndre Ayton, 10 points, nine rebounds, one block, one steal, one assist, five freight from the field. The, the Suns weren't feeding him at all. 
I did not see any high pick and rolls. I did not see any entry passes. I didn't see anything. I feel like a lot of that is because DeAndre Ayton was non-existent tonight. He did not have the energy at all. I actually, uh, in my piece that I wrote for Bright Side of the Sun tonight, I wrote, DeAndre Ayton's effort on the board seems subdued in the first. Perhaps it was the task of guarding a two-time MVP in Giannis and a potential MVP in Embiid the last two games that caught up to him both mentally and physically. Tristan Thompson does not garner the same level of respect as the aforementioned All-Stars. We've seen... Aiton extremely engaged as of late, following shots, using his leverage and volleyball, rebounding the ball to himself. But he didn't have it tonight. You know, him, you, you take his effort inside, you know, his lack of screening, his lack of uh, putting his hand up and trying to get guys off their spots. I mean, you look at Kemba Walker and, and the way that he was shooting the three ball, he ended, what, five for 11 from three and with 32 points, which tied a season high for him. A lot of those points came on high screens that were switches to put DeAndre Ayton on Kemba Walker. And then, and then DeAndre just stood there. He just let him shoot in his face. I mean, Mm -hmm. again, all of those reasons that I mentioned playing Embiid, playing Giannis, it felt like tonight was the night where DA's like, I'm just going to kind of take a night off. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of strange to make that decision going into the game. And we're just, we're thinking that's the reason because he seemed like he was taking the night off and he is a good reason you have to be tired. And it's maybe the next step, maybe that mental, the mental uh, toughness he needs, I guess. I don't know to like go into those games. And like, I mean, EJ said, and I always quote him, he's like two games off, like or two days off the next day. So just put it all out there. And I just, I don't know how he feels, obviously, physically, but it just looked like he did not care. He had an opportunity tonight, and now Tristan Thompson, I think he's doing better than what people think down there uh, in the paint. Maybe He's a good defensive center. He, he's he a really big he is. Part, yeah, and, but DeAndre had so many opportunities to really follow up on offensive rebounds where we love to see him there. It's just a lot of effort from him tonight to do that, but I think that was the difference in the game, really. It's just his putbacks, his, uh, his rebounding effort, any of that, and he was passing the ball out in the paint whenever he would grab it underneath the rim. He did that twice where there were just easy layups. So, mm-hmm. like, I feel like those are that's really the difference in the game. I mean, Booker, I know, was fouling out, but if we just have a decent, good DeAndre Ayton game, maybe we take this one, but it just wasn't there at all. So, it was a really bad performance by him. And again, this is part of that learning opportunity for him is to treat games like this, knowing that you have the next two off as a party on Saturday night versus like a Friday afternoon at work. Cause that's what it looked like out there. He looked like somebody who was ready for that five o'clock, you know, alarm. I won't say alarm, but the five o'clock hour to hit on a Friday so he can get the hell out of Dodge and he can go relax. He needed to treat this like a like a or a Saturday night have one of his ace pineapple hard ciders popped and have a party out there because you don't have to go against Embiid and you don't have to go against Giannis Antetokounmpo. You should look at these matchups and just be excited and ready to rock and roll, you know, and, and unfortunately that's not the DA that we got. He wasn't engaged. His, his legs looked tired. And as you mentioned, you know, I mean, this team, like I said, did everything they could try to keep us in it. We just kind of got in our own way and didn't allow ourselves to seize what they were giving us. Instead, we were playing lackadaisical defense, allowing them to shoot wide open threes, allowing them to come into the lane whenever they want, not challenging or doing shot deterrence. You couple that, you sprinkle in a little bit of that ref bullshit on top, and you have yourself a shit sandwich. Yeah, exactly, dude. Oh, sorry, I had this gnat flying around me. I don't know why. I thought you were I thought you were waving at me. I was like, hi, hi, Matthew. No. <laughs> it kept like trying to fly in my mouth. I don't know why. 
Um, but yeah, absolutely what you were saying. <laughs> all, all, all of the above, all of the above, you know, and, and, you know, as, as, as Mario Tacoma upgrades says in the chat, he's like, the Suns will bounce back. They are young and learning. And I think yeah, that's a, again, a, a vital thing. Uh, you know, we are not sitting here saying the Suns are horrible. They're, they're, they're fucking fantastic, man. They're 42 and 17 and, you know, 19 and eight on the road. And they're a team that is an elite team in the NBA. They just had one of those off nights that every team has. And, we have a podcast about it, so we're going to talk about it. Exactly. Um, what did you think about the juice tonight? Oh, man, a new nickname that's sticking, huh? I'm He's trying. Amazing. I'm he is trying. Amazing. I mean, I love the guy. He's the only one that tried out there tonight. I mean, the bench usually does, right? I mean, Dario, yes. who knows what he's doing, but the bench usually comes out and tries to prove something. Tory Craig is the leader right now of that mm-hmm. bench. I think Cameron Payne does a great job, too. But you can see Cameron Johnson, you know, maybe taking over the starting spot. He's doing a good job there. So Torrey Craig is that guy you love to see come off the bench. Absolutely putting his body in line a couple times out there for the rebounds, which were big rebounds that even have a chance in this game. We needed him to have those. Mm-hmm. And because of that, we had the chance in the end, kind of a little bit of a chance, not too much. I mean, you can kind of tell like they were never going to catch up, but just to be down by 10 or even nine, like it was because of Torrey Craig a lot of the time. So good job by him. Yeah, Torrey Craig, seven total points in this game, three for eight shooting, had five rebounds. Uh, and, you know, the Suns were out-rebounded by 10 in this game. They had 38 rebounds to Boston's 48. So, you know, a lot of those one-and-done possessions after really bad three-pointers or wide-open three-pointers that they just weren't hitting. Let's not lie. Like, if you go back and you look at the advanced stats, there were a lot of wide-open threes, and the Suns just weren't rebounding the ball. But when Torrey Craig was in there, you did see some of those second-chance opportunities for the Phoenix Suns. He ended of those, uh, you know, he did get an offensive rebound and he, you know, but you go and you look at the plus minus and he was the worst on the team with negative 17. So it's just like, mm-hmm. you know, that's why plus minus game to game isn't something that really showcases the effort because he had the effort tonight and so did campaign. You know, both of yes. those guys, when campaign came in, when Devin Booker got his fourth foul, there was a 14 to two run there in which the Phoenix Suns got it down to you know nine points, and you're like, okay, this is possible. It's at the back end of the third, but then Monty Williams went back to his staggering where he's like, okay, CP3 is coming out. I'm putting Booker back in. The The Celtics went on a nine to six run from that point, and we never kind of, you know, we got it back down to nine with three minutes left in the game. But, you know, again, kudos to those guys for just bringing the effort. Uh, Tory, uh, Tory, the juice Craig, also getting into it with Tristan Thompson at the end of the game. Did you see that? No, I didn't. What happened? You know what? Uh, it was stuck on six seconds for a while. What, what happened? Because I turned it off. That's I was watching exactly it. what happened. You know they, what started, it was? they started getting into it. I didn't see exactly what it. words were said. It looked like Tristan Thompson was kind of giving him an up and down look and said some inappropriate words. And I was really hoping that Tori would just haul off and clock him. You know, you want to get those Frank Kaminsky minutes. Just have Tori Craig get ejected <laughs> for, for just punching the shit out of Tristan Thompson's ugly face. There you go, man. You know, uh, so. Yeah, uh, but but again, you know, a, a positive in this storm is to see their production. You mentioned Cam Johnson; he gets the start tonight because Jay Crowder is out with the twisted right ankle. Yes. Three for eleven from the field, zero for six from three the uh, from deep, six rebounds, a block, a turnover, an assist, and a steal. You know, mm-hmm. eight total points for Cam Johnson. There was there was a play early in the game where he had a steal and he was just flying down the court man yeah. it was it was like have you ever seen the mighty ducks the second one 
Uh, yeah, I don't remember though. There's one kid in there who's like, he's the fastest skater ever. He just can't stop. You know, a, a typical trope in a movie. It's like, he's super fast, but he has no brakes. That's what Cameron Johnson looked like on that play. And of course, the Suns didn't score. And I knew that was going to be a shitty game from there. Yeah, super fast on that. That was awesome, man. And they did we miss three layups too on that? Like nothing went yes, in? Yes, <laughs> we did. Yes. It's like yeah. layup, miss, rebound, layup, miss, rebound, layup, yeah. miss, opposing rebound. I know he went over six with three, and there was someone in the chat that said like he's terrible starting because he was over six. Yeah, I guess so, but he just looks so much better on the court. Like he's figured out a lot of things. He looks a lot better. I think that you can you can say that for Jay Crowder too, right? Jay Crowder goes over nine sometimes from three, but we still like him in the starting lineup. I think it's just mm-hmm. the confidence and where to be. He he's kind of a connector in the way. I guess you can start to say he might be that guy. But he he's just looking good, man. He's not hesitating on a lot of stuff that he wants to do on the court. He's just being more confident in what he wants to do. So I think he's getting more trust. And I don't think he'll be a starter. I think Jay Crowder will finish the season through the playoffs as our starter. Yep. I just think Cam Johnson, at certain at a certain point with this franchise, might be our starting four. I think he is ultimately going to be that guy, besides Mikhail Bridges. And if there's no trade, of course, with those two involved. But I think... Cam Johnson will definitely be a starter for the Suns in the future. I agree. And I think that, you know, these are valuable starts for him to be a part of that starting core offense. Cause if you look towards the future, the starting core offense involves four of the five guys who are there right now, knowing that CP three in a couple years, either unless he, you know, he might not be around and he's going to be older, but mm-hmm. Cameron Johnson is somebody who has the athletic ability, has the shooting touch, just didn't have it tonight, obviously, 0 for 6 from deep. is really frustrating to watch. But I like seeing him get that opportunity. It was his 10th start of the season for the Phoenix Suns in the absence of Jay Crowder. And it was it's nice to see him have a chance to try to work through some of those kinks. You know, the, the thing I'd like to see a little bit more from him is something that he figures out kind of as the game goes on. It's like, oh, if I start cutting, I'm going to get rewarded for that. And CP3 is going to find me on those cuts. It's something both him and Mikhail do, but I feel like Monty Williams doesn't have them do enough as a part of the offense. The Suns typically are a high pick and roll off- uh, offense that runs screens for Devin Booker to get open. And then you kind of have Mikhail and Cameron Johnson in the corners, and they're your three point sharpshooters. But I feel like they need to integrate a little bit more, especially if Cam Johnson's playing, because you're not going to get that from Jay Crowder. Jay Crowder doesn't have the quickness to get past guys to make those quality cuts. But it's something that, you know, in these next few games, Cameron Johnson's going to have an opportunity to get some of these starts while Jay's resting that ankle. And it's something I'd like to see from the Suns is to just run a few more of those cutting plays for him because both him and Mikhail, one, their hands, the ball sticks to it. And two, they're very good at, at finishing off of those screens. Yeah, and I think Cam knows that too. Cam wants to be a part of that guy, part of the team that wants to cut to the rim. But I like how, even though he shot some of his threes farther out, I like how he doesn't hesitate on them. I think he has two options, either cut, do something in the paint. If he can, he still has a hard time finishing in there, of course. But I think he wants to be that guy, right? Where We saw Mikhail this year improving into that person. That's just going to be Cam right up next. It's going to be something that he's going to work on a lot. I think he's excited to do that, dude. Just like me. I'm excited to see it in the future. <laughs> uh, shout out to Walter Lazo in the chat. Super chat dropped five bucks. He says Booker had the Kardashian curse tonight. Of course. Walter, he's had that Kardashian curse for about the set past six or seven games. So the month of April has not been super kind to Devin Booker. So let's hope we get efficient Booker back. Uh, we did see Langston Galloway tonight. So it was exciting to see Langston out there. Yeah. Definitely looked a little bit rusty. There was a fantastic play in which I was like, oh, hey, he can play defense where he stripped the ball. He's leading a fast break. 
And in his mind, McHale, instead of cutting towards the basket, was cutting to the three-point line. He threw it out there, and McHale was right there, like ready for a dunk. And I, that made me sad a little bit. But to see Langston Galloway play his first minutes since March 30th against the Hawks, were you excited to see that? And what were, what were your thoughts on Monty running out a lineup of Chris Paul, Javon Carter, Langston Galloway, Mikael Bridges, and DeAndre Ayton? Oh, I love it, dude. I think this this team has the opportunity to play a lot of small ball lineups, and that's just another one of them, right? I don't think we've really seen this one. And then for Galloway to come back, it's like you don't really expect too much because he's been out since 12 games. I think he hasn't played. So it's like, what do you expect this guy to really do to really get in sync with the offense again? And he had a great steal. I mean, that's he can be a pesky guy on defense, and it's fun to see that because you didn't expect to have that out of him. But for him to come in and really be in sync again, I know he's just a three-point shooter really on offense, but he's shown that he can do more than that. I just don't expect too much, and that's why I'm just like, do you think he could just play like four or five minutes does it ruin that much? Does it does it make it so that we can't be consistent on offense and defense if Langston Galloway plays every game for like four or five minutes just so he doesn't lose like what it feels like to be on the court with the guys? I don't know if that's something that is happening, but I'm sure I, he'll probably play next game and look a little bit better, but he's not gonna he's not gonna look great in his first game back. No, and he only played a total of three minutes in this game. There you go. But I think that he's somebody who's going to see minutes as the season winds down in an effort to try to rest a little bit more of our starting guards. You're going to get 25 minutes, 28 minutes out of Booker Mm -hmm. and CP3. And if that's the case, then you're going to have Langston Galloway, maybe even some Etwan more minutes back out there in an effort to ensure that those guys are well-rested in, in for the playoffs and in an effort to make sure that these guys are sharp for the playoffs. Because as you mentioned, you're not going to have that chemistry if you've been sitting out 12 games, even though Langston and Etwan Moore are both pros. I mean, when's the last time Etwan Moore played? That's a good question. I don't I even remember. Been 25 games at least. It's been, uh, maybe more than that. I'm, I'm trying to think the last time he was in a game. I'm going to actually try to pull it up here. But how, many, how many Jamsters even know, like, <laughs> that he was still on the team. I mean, he's one of those guys where it's, of course, you remember him earlier. He had a few good games, but how often do you think of um, Etwan Moore? How often do you even say, like, let's give him some minutes? Because I really don't. There's no, some reason why he's I not playing. But. but I do as we get to the back end of this season because I think it's vital that CP3 and Devin Booker are properly rested, still getting game time to keep them sharp. Yeah. But keeping those legs fresh. I don't want any Dan, Tony, Steve Nash is running to the ground by the time the playoffs hit. So by the time we get the Western conference final, he's toast. Uh, Etuan Moore hasn't played since March 13th. It's 20 games ago for the Phoenix suns. 20 games. All right. Yes. Yes. So, I mean, you know, it's, it's nice to see him come out there. I think all suns fans, we get a little bit excited, but then you always remember the reason why it's like, Oh, it's because Devin Booker is in foul trouble. Uh, Real quick. I want to talk about a couple of the Celtics, Jason Tatum, Without looking at the stat sheet, Matthew, Jason Tatum scored 15 points and had 11 rebounds and six assists. 15 points. How many times did he shoot the ball? Uh, eight times. He was three for 17. Oh, my goodness. Really? Three for 17. Wow. Eight for eight from the free throw line. Had five tired, turnovers. Right? Yeah, he was. Jason Tatum. Maybe he needs Jalen Brown to feed off of or something. I don't know. I mean, he. a lot of people are crediting his lack of production to the fact that he had COVID, and he talks yeah. about the inhaler that he's had. But I've always said that Jalen uh, or Jason Tatum is a little bit overrated, man. 
that's just me. I just think that he's one of those guys who the media fell in love with, not justifiably so. He had a couple shots. I think they really fell in love with him for two reasons. One, he had a block on LeBron in the playoffs like three years ago. And two, Kobe Bryant did the detail thing on ESPN about Jason Tatum. And Jason Tatum loved Kobe Bryant and it was very public. So ever since that moment, you couple that with the fact that it's in Boston, it is the East Coast. Yes. I feel like they really kind of just fell in love with the na- the narrative of Jason Tatum. And he's never truly had that production. He's had spurts, but he's never truly had that consistent production efficiently that is makes me like who he is. I like efficient scorers. Me too. And he'll have those games where it's just like you'll see Twitter blow up like, oh my God, this guy is definitely a superstar. He's definitely an all-star this year. Like he just put up 40 points. Like he is everything you need in a star for your for your team. But I don't think he's like the number one guy on a championship team for sure. I don't think Agreed. he is. Agreed. He's just he's very inconsistent when you watch him. I know the cold COVID thing, but you're right. I've been there with you. I'm just like, I don't see it. Maybe he came out too fast. Maybe because he was in the playoffs, what was his first year, second year in the Eastern Conference Finals? Yeah. Because of that, you know, the light was shined on him. He's only 18, he's only 19. Like that was the stuff that was happening with him when he first came out. So to live up to that constantly is really, really tough. But for him, I just I don't knock the guy too much, but I just think he gets too much credit. And it's not because I hate the Celtics or anything. I just like Jalen Brown a lot more. If I'm going to trust the guy I with the ball, I think that's what it is. Jalen Brown is the guy I want because the look on his face, the way he holds himself on the court, the way he can get a shot off better than Jason Tatum, I just trust that guy way more. Yeah, I agree. I love Jalen Brown. I'm upset I didn't get to see him play tonight because whenever I do watch Boston games, I thoroughly enjoy watching Jalen Brown, just his his complete oh, game yeah. and, who, and who he is as an individual. And I'm going through and I'm looking at, at, at some of Jason Tatum's stats this year, and he's averaging 28 point or 25.8 points per game, which is you know really it's a little bit more than Devin Booker is. Uh, 53 points a few games ago against the Minnesota Timberwolves. He had 44 against the Golden State Warriors like, two games ago. So. You know, I obviously don't watch a lot of Jason Tatum, but every time I do see, maybe it's just because he plays the Suns and he never plays well against the Suns. His last game against Phoenix, which uh, was actually on Super Sunday, if you remember, he scored 23 points on eight for 22 shooting. So, mm-hmm. you know, again, he's somebody who his his field goal percentage against the Suns is something that leaves a bad taste in my mouth, and I'm probably wrong there, considering the fact that he does put up some good numbers. But I just not. Lately, Not, he he and that team has been playing a lot better lately. That's probably why. Yeah, very very true. They they went on that like six game win streak. So, jam star of the game. All right, Jamsters, here's your reminder to go ahead, subscribe, and like. If you're watching on YouTube, we appreciate it. And if you're listening on Apple Podcasts and you want to leave us a five-star review with a nice little message in there, telling Matthew different things about how he's got two different colored eyes, you can go ahead and leave that message there in the Apple Podcast, and we'll read it here on the show. Uh, Matthew, who is your jam star of the game? (laughs) Different eye-colored son of a bitch. Oh, definitely. It's uh, MVP Chris Paul right now. I, I really wish I could have pulled this one out because of his stat line looked nice. And it's a nice win for him to get that MVP this year because he would have carried the Suns, but no one else even really helped him out. I mean, Mikel Bridges tried his best, but couldn't do it that couldn't do it by themselves. So but Chris Paul is definitely the uh, my guy tonight. He's, he's, call this award. he's the, the jam star of the game. He's uh. He's the one guy we haven't talked about because I knew I was going to 
keep him for this segment. He's clearly, mm-hmm. uh, Khalid said it. He said CP3 was the only player that wanted to win tonight. That's what you really saw. And it'd be really nice to have some sort of camera in that locker room afterwards. And just here's what CP3 had to say to the team. Because this is a guy who's 34, 35. Oh, for that old. reason? I yeah. You're talking about something else. <laughs> giggity, giggity. Here, here's the funny thing. Everybody who's watching the podcast is like looking as close as they can at your eyes to see if they're different colors now. <laughs> oh, <laughs> they'll <laughs> never know, right? 311 Flavis says close up of those freaky eyes. <laughs> yeah, they're uh, trippy. But I would, like to, I would like to be a fly on the wall in the locker room right now mm-hmm. for the only reason, Matthew, is to hear CP3 talk to this team. To see if he has words of encouragement to say, hey, man, like this is a quality team. I get that we're tired, but we have to push through this because come playoff time, you are going to be mentally destroyed after every game. Every minute in the playoffs yep. feels like five minutes of the regular season. You know, it is just so intense. It's like a it's like a, a I don't know what's really dense, a black hole. It's like a black hole of intensity every minute, especially the very end. But, you know, from the first, from the tip off, it's like that. And, you know, for those Suns fans who don't remember what it feels like to be in the playoffs and to live and die with every possession, like get ready, boy. Cause starting May, I think it's the 22nd, starting May 22nd, like shit gets real, real intense, real frustrating. Every, every, you know, the, the, those podcasts are going to be really fun because they're going to be so intense. And it, this is going to be like our venting session. It's going to be something, obviously, we've never done is sat here and done a podcast after a Suns playoff game. But it's yeah. going to be really interesting for us. And Chris Paul's the only one who really knows what that feels like. You have Jay Crowder, obviously, as well. But he wasn't out there tonight. And I think that CP3, I, I would have loved to hear what he had to say to the Suns. Oh, yeah, me too. But I honestly think that the Suns really were like, okay, maybe we can take some games off here and there, but it's like, why? Like just sit out then, you know, just don't even play really save your energy because absolutely you didn't even give it on the court. So why would you even go out there? That's probably what Chris Paul said. It's like, you know, I'm not taking a night off and I'm, I'm old, even though he's only 32, 33, whatever, but he, you know, he, he's the one that's never going to take a night off and you can always count on him. He'll try to get things going. And you saw his, his shot kind of fall flat towards the end. And then, you know, it's like, he's trying to force it and it's tough for him because he's tired too. But, um, I give him credit for actually trying tonight, man. Yeah. He's the one guy as, as one of our jamsters said, he's the one guy who wanted to win tonight. So, you know, pack this one up, put it in the rear view mirror because, because you know what time it is. It's time to bring up the fact that we both picked the Suns to win, and I'm still... We haven't updated these, have we? No, I did. You did? Cool. 25-18. 25-18, 30 and 13 for Matthew Mm -hmm. relative to our picks this year. But up next are those Brooklyn Nets, Matthew. You excited Mm -hmm. for this one? Yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited to see Blake Griffin, who was hiding his dunking till he got to a good team. I knew he was. That's you know, the I think ball I he was <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but he he's absolutely the guy to come in and you know he caused a little bit of chaos. But he, him, and Kyrie Irving, the only like really noticeable guys in the starting lineup. Of course, Joe Harris is phenomenal. Mm-hmm. But you're just you're looking at a team, of course, that's injured. You're not going to know really what to expect. Um, I think the Suns have a really decent chance in this game. If they want to get up and play, I mean, it's not till Sunday. So Sunday after you eat your menudo in the morning, get those sneakers on, dude, and just, you know, try to go three and one on this trip. You know, we should have been three and oh, I think, but 
even though we said what three and two would have been nice, <laughs> try to go three and one right now. And they have a chance in this one for sure. I think. Yeah. The, the nets are going to be without James Harden. Who's out indefinitely after during some yeah. rehab for his hamstring, there was some sort of setback and Kevin Durant is currently out. So if Kyrie chooses to play, he is the one of the big three who is going to be out there. Blake Griffin, Joe Harris, you know, they have a decent roster of guys who, you know, DeAndre Jordan is going to be there. Uh, Jeff Green can be a pain in the ass. Nick Claxton, he's a, he's a backup center. who I don't yeah. think he plays for them anymore, does he? Uh, did he play in last game? No, he didn't. Well, they play again uh, tomorrow, but uh, yeah, they, they play they play Boston tomorrow. I don't see him on the depth chart. Yeah, so but we'll we'll see how it goes. I mean, I, I'm I'm excited for this game. You know, Tyler Johnson, you're playing the Phoenix Nets. You know, we have all those connections to the Nets, and I want a little payback. You know, that was a team that we should have beat, and unfortunately, yeah. we just couldn't get enough separation at the end, knowing that the James Harden attack was coming. You know, it's kind of like when we played the Sixers last night. You know they're going to make a run at the end. It's the same thing with Denver. Like there's some teams that just are so offensively efficient inside five minutes that you got to give yourself like a ten point lead, knowing that they're going to chip that thing down to three, and you have to survive those wins. Now, granted, some teams might look at the Phoenix Suns the same way. We're an extremely efficient team within five minutes with the daggers that Chris Paul can throw, with the sporadic daggers that Devin Booker can throw, and with DeAndre Ayton clean up the mess down low. This is a team that nobody wants to play with, but the Brooklyn Nets are going to be negated because two of their killers are going to be on the sideline watching. You know, again, Kyrie Irving, he can have one of those nights where he goes for 50. I think that he is the best ball handler in the league. I think he goes him and then Steph. Would you agree? Yeah, absolutely. Even though Steph is more consistent, but yeah. Well, Steph's more consistent shooting, but I'm just saying pure. Per- no, I mean, just playing, just playing. Yes. On the court. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. No. Just see more of him. Very, very true. But, mm-hmm. You know, matchup to watch. It'll be interesting to see if Mikhail has an opportunity to try to guard him. I think that they they might just stick with CP3 on Kyrie Irving because Mikhail really has a hard time with shifty guards. Guys who have who are really quick, he has a really hard time against. Oh, yeah. Maybe he just deserves a night off. And that's the one thing for the Suns. It's like, hey, if you guys want to come play, maybe they'll have a chance to win this game. But Mikhail Bridges on like the smaller guards. You're totally right about that. I mean, I like to see him guard bigger guys and smaller ones just for that reason. But I mean, maybe that's the next step too that he needs how to how to guard those smaller dudes. But no one can guard Kyrie Irving, so it's a difficult task. Yes, no, but you just have to try to limit him and what he does. Uh, you know, you know that I know that. Hopefully, the Suns know that too. So, you know, it's it's going to be interesting to see how. Uh, this game unfolds. It is an early game, as you mentioned. After your Menudo, yeah. it's like what? What's the tip time? Is it like noon our time? Three thirty. Oh yeah, three thirty Eastern. I think. Yeah, so right. it's twelve thirty Arizona time. So it's going to mm-hmm. be uh, an early game. I'm I'm glad that the Suns have an opportunity to have a couple days off. You know, back to backs on the road are always so tough. So uh, mm-hmm. really looking forward to that. You know, so I got I got to ask you, Matthew, who's going to win yeah. this game? Um, I think the Suns are. It's hard to say that name. I can't even say Suns right now, even though it's behind me and everywhere on me. Uh, Suns. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm going to go with the Nets just because you said Suns, and I, this is a good opportunity to make up a game. Surprised. So I okay. hope that this. I hope that the Suns win. Obviously, oh, um, I'm sure you do. Yes, I do. Shut up. Mother mo, mo, mofo. Okay. Of course I want them to win. I want them to go four and one on this Eastern Conference road. Yeah. Swing, okay. And the yeah. nice thing is 
I think do, is is it a back to back where they play the Knicks the next day? Um, you know what? Let me check really quick. Let's pull up that. So. Let's pull up that old schedule here. So they play. Yeah, it's a back to back. So they play okay. the the Nets at twelve thirty our time on Sunday. Then Monday at four thirty our time is when they play the New York Knicks. So it's the second back to back on this road trip. But it is a little bit. You know, the nice thing about this back to back is you are in New York. You're not hopping on a plane after Brooklyn to fr- to fly from JFK to LaGuardia. You know what I'm saying? Forget about it. Forget about it. Forget about it. So, <laughs> so we'll we'll see how this game goes. I, I'm excited. For, thank you. Thank you very little. Yeah. Uh, but I'm I'm excited to see how this game goes. I like I like the Nets. I think they're a quality opponent. Even though you know, uh, I'm in the process of putting together all the data for that piece for Brightside about how the Suns play teams that just don't have the majority of their payroll present, and it's going to be interesting once I gather all that data to see what that number actually comes out to. So yeah, it'd be interesting, honestly. Yeah. And I think sometimes I think about the Hornacek year where, you know, he admitted like the Suns hit every game just perfectly on back to backs, Mm -hmm. some injuries and all that. That's why they had such a good record, but they fell short of the playoffs. It's like, sometimes I think about that, but I I just hope that's not the, the situation. I don't think it is. I think we play the good teams tough. So I think you're right. Thoughts. Brains. All right, Matthew. So one thing I wanted to bring up is now that we are what 14 games away from the end of the season. Yeah. It's time to really start looking at that playoff picture. Okay. So, you know, let's look at it right there. As you can see, there's the playoff picture. Uh, If you're listening, you can't see it, but currently you have the Suns as the one or as the two seed behind the Utah jazz, the Uh current, 3-6 3-6 matchup would be the Lakers and the Trailblazers if that were, if the season were to end today. And the 4-5 matchup is the Lakers and Denver. Uh, obviously, the play-in tournament makes it, you know, some things really weird. If, if you're watching, you can see there's a bunch of arrows and a bunch of, you know, kind of what the heck is this and what, you know, I don't understand how that works and what have you. Uh, but ultimately, the Suns are going to play the seven seed, and that could either be the Dallas Mavericks, if they win, and also, <laughs> it's more difficult than what we thought. It it's, is. It's it's like a double elimination thought, tournament you know. for the nine to ten yes. or for the top seed. I think. Yeah. So I mean, if the, if the Mavericks win, then they, we play Mavericks. Yeah. 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 Correct. If, yeah. If they lose, and um, then they have to play. I don't even know. Honestly, if they lose, <laughs> then they have to play the winner of the nine ten game. So the loser of the Dallas. Okay. So right now Dallas is seventh and Memphis is eighth. So the okay. the winner of that game gets the seven seed. Okay, the loser of that game plays the winner of the nine ten game. So if you're in the nine ten game, you have to win that game and then beat the the loser of the seven eight game in an effort to get the eight seed and play Utah. So essentially, after Beautiful. the the seven eight game, the Suns will know who they play, and that game will occur on. May 18th, it appears. So we'll have an opportunity to kind of see uh, who the Suns play at that time. When you look at the other seedings, when you see the Clippers versus Portland, the Clippers versus the Blazers, and you see the Nuggets versus the Lakers, are you excited for those matchups? Do you hope that there's some shuffling in there? Or do you think that as a Suns fan, that's where you want it to be? 
No, I like all these matchups in the West. Just for watching it, like as a fan, these are beautiful matchups. And I think Denver, what sucks is, you know, Jamal Murray, of course, the injury sucks. So if you get the Lakers in the first round, which would have been nice, you could have been a very, very hot team. Jokic is the MVP, all of that. Then you go versus Lakers, and maybe they have, I think Anthony Davis is coming back next game. Maybe they have their starters together for 10 games. So maybe you can beat them in that series. But a lot of these matchups, even in the East, I have to admit that they look kind of appealing and very sexy to me. Yeah, I'm, I'm, it's going to be a really fun round of first-round playoffs across the entire uh, association. I look at Denver, and I look at the Lakers, and I, I'm excited for that game. because So essentially, the the loser, or I'm sorry, the winner of that game is going to play the one seed, correct? Yeah. And the Suns would play, if they beat the seven seed in the seven-game series, they play the winner of the Portland versus the Clippers. So... Essentially, the Suns won't have to run into Utah, the the Nuggets, or the Lakers unless they make the Western Conference Finals. The Clippers are the one team, I think, currently that scares me just because we have not matched up well against them. They're a team that has shot the lights out both games in which we played them, but I've yet to see the confidence. And the Lakers, I'm obviously afraid of because I just don't know. It's that, you know, as you mentioned, Anthony Davis is coming back. LeBron James, you know, he'll be back in time for the playoffs. We just don't know. But I'm excited to see that the Lakers have to play the Denver Nuggets because that will be a tough series for them. That's a team that's going to try to take them to the brink. Yes, they don't have Jamal Murray, but they have a lot of good pieces around Jokic, and they'd be going against probably the MVP. And I think that that's something that could wear them out. And then if the Lakers do get through that series, then they have to go against Utah and another big guy in Rudy Gobert, and it's going to wear them out. So if the Suns do have to play the Lakers in the Western Conference Finals, if we're blessed enough to see that series, they're going to have to go through war to get to the Suns. Oh, yeah, for sure. And honestly, any of these matches for the Suns, I think, suck. No matter who, even if they play the Spurs or the Warriors in the first first round, that's I think it's I don't know it, it's maybe because I'm just scared of it and I don't want to deal with it. Maybe that's why I think that. <laughs> but I think a lot of these matchups are be tough for the Suns. But if the Lakers are full strength though, I and mean, they look like they did before they got injured, there's no way I don't think the Suns can beat them. I just think that's the one team I'm scared of. The Clippers. They play roulette on the court, dude. I think they just play too much confidence to where they think they're going to pull it out in the end. And a lot of times they don't. That's the one thing with the Clippers. So the Lakers are the only team that really scared me that much holding the Suns back from the championship this year. Maybe Utah, but Lakers for sure. Matthew, you are such a Suns fan. You're terrified of the playoffs. <laughs> I you am. Know? Well, it's because even... history has not been kind to the Suns. I don't want it. I don't want any of this. Yeah, shut up. I can't wait, man. <laughs> I cannot wait for the playoffs. I cannot wait to have that intensity. The only disadvantage is, you know, one, COVID still around, so it's like you can't really go to the bars yet, and that was always such a fun experience. For me, my yeah. 20s was going to the bars and watching Suns games, and you can't do that because one, because of COVID and two, we have this podcast. So it's like, I have to watch it at home so I can talk about it afterwards. So it's both. Yeah, a unless Lamar wants to give us a little corner or something. Ooh, so let's hey, that little booth. Do are a there live any pod? local bars that will allow me to bring my laptop and my webcam and not during the wet t-shirt contest, simply just post up and talk about the suns afterwards. <laughs> we can have fans on. Yeah. Let us know out there bars of Phoenix. Maybe uh, we could do it at the tilted kilt, which is caddy corner away from the Phoenix suns arena. How about that? It'd be awesome. It'd be very inappropriate. It would get very, very much out of hand, but we can just try it and see how yeah. it works. The audio would be horrible. Uh, code JJM. One of our loyal jamster listeners says mm-hmm. any chance we sweep a team. 
I think there's I a chance, uh, but uh, the level of competition is tough, man. It is, and there's just like that adjustment game, right? The Suns might need, and it's going to happen where they just don't have it, like tonight maybe, but it's just there's going to be, I think, that one game. I think the Suns, even when they swept like the Grizzlies back then, when they were the number one seed, they were the eighth. I was yes. still super scared about that series, but it was so easy, so maybe I'm missing something here because right now I'm saying no, but maybe with that first round, we do sweep either the Mavericks or the Spurs. The old uh, Mark Gasol and OJ Mayo teams. Yeah, there you go. OJ Mayo. That was a good time. I like we were we were always playing Memphis in the first round. We just beat the shit out of them. Uh, You know, as Felix says in the chat, "Go Suns." We've waited ten fucking years. So, on that note, I think we're gonna call it a pod. Call it a night. Uh, You know, uh, just another reminder to everyone out there: subscribe, rate, review, do all that fun stuff. Follow the show at Suns Jam on Instagram, Twitter, and the Phoenix Fans app. You follow me on Twitter at Darth Voida. You follow Matthew on Twitter at Matthew Lissy. And we will see you right here at about just after the Brooklyn Nets game on Sunday. So on that note, I will say that this Ace Pineapple Craft Cider beer, yeah, disgusting. (laughs) Is it? It's not good. <laughs> yeah. It's like full. I just, I'm not a cider beer person. So sorry, Ace. Yeah. I'm sure you're great people, but you're, I just, I don't do oh, some, I don't do ciders. Forget about it. Okay? I don't do ciders either. Forget about it. You got to work on that accent, but it sounded pretty good. But yeah, everyone go home and uh, love your family. <laughs>